Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. We are continuing our series on building a culture of discipleship personally and corporately. Our three core areas, identity, intimacy, and impact are covered in this series. Today's episode focuses in on the importance of our identity as sons. We are born again because of Jesus Christ and become saints, holy ones, and then we can choose if we'll live as disciples and then we can mature as sons. Take a listen, and I hope that it encourages you to go deeper with God than ever before. Hey, everybody. I am so glad we're together today on Tent Talk, and we are building a culture of discipleship personally and corporately. So I want to continue with where we were last episode and pick right up with those three core elements, identity, intimacy, and impact. Let's look today at identity. You know, I love to use the word fresh start because this is what it says in the scripture in Ephesians 2 in the Message Bible. It says that if any person is new in Christ. It says in Ephesians 2 that God created a new kind of human being giving a fresh start for everybody. Don't you love that? I love that. Having a fresh start. You know, with God, because everything is born in eternity In the eternal realm, it means that time and space cannot touch it. It cannot diminish it. uh, It has no expiration date. That's why his mercies are new every morning. And it's not really because the sun rises. It's because his mercies, his life, his love, his mind, everything about him is born of the eternal It means it's outside of time and space. It means that it never diminishes in its quality. So this is so powerful because you and I, that means we can tap into his mercies. I don't care if it's 6 a.m. or 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. If it's midnight, they are new because they're born of him. And isn't it awesome that he tells us that so are we when we become born again. This is why identity is so important. And last time when we were together, I mentioned that the entire reason that you were made new was so that you could be compatible with the Father, that you could be one with Him, that He made you just like Himself. And He did all of that through Jesus through the Son, so that he could have many sons of glory. That's what the scripture says. So I really want to saturate today's episode in the scripture, and I'm not going to apologize for it, okay? Because we must have the authority of God's word to be able to settle our identity. 
So Ephesians 2 in the message says he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody, a fresh start for every person. Second Corinthians 517. Now blow off the familiarity and listen. Second Corinthians 517 out of the Amplified Classic. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So this is just, you know, just a thimbleful of the good news about our identity in Christ. Now there's going to be far more that you're going to need to know than what I can share on this one episode, but I want to say enough that you begin to see that if you are still believing that you're just a poor old sinner, that you're a sinner saved by grace, that you know, you you know, you you want to do right, but you know, you're just a broken and flawed individual. My friends, I'm telling you that kind of language incites me. It provokes me so, so deeply because it flies in the face of everything that Jesus came to do, everything he accomplished, everything that the scripture speaks of, everything that gives us the ability to please God, to fellowship with God, to make God's dream come true for him to receive what he wants. And so it just flies in the face of all of that to constantly confess that you are a broken and flawed individual. When God says that he has made you new. Now that means that you also have to know that you are spirit. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Hebrews 4.12, Genesis 3.6, and 1 John 2.16, those four scriptures all speak of us being three parts, spirit, soul, body. But we were made in the image of God originally, and he is spirit, and we are spirit. Now, I don't want to go off on this too much, but I always have to remind everyone that in the garden, Adam and Eve had a decision to make, eat of one tree or the other. God said, if you eat of the tree of life, we'll be together forever. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, you shall surely die. He didn't say, I'm going to kill you if you eat of it. He said, by that independent action, you take yourself out from underneath my authority. You have now become your own authority. And you then, you have separated yourself from me. And another nature will come into you. Okay? Now, this is so key to understand This is why, my friends, we must be born all over again by the Spirit. And that can only happen by receiving Jesus Christ and the fullness of His work on the cross and full-out obedience to the Father. Because there is a plan, my friends, and they're, they're after you. They want you, the you that they made 
in Christ before the foundations of the world. So to keep living as a sinner, as an old worm, as an old man, uh, saying, you know, one day I am a new creation and the next I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. This is what breeds so much confusion, difficulty, depression. It breeds such chaos and difficulty in our lives because we are truly born again, yet we are not living as not just who he says we are, it is that we are not living as who he's actually made us to be. The reality of that new creation, the reality of that new creature. When he says the old has passed away, he is saying that the old dead spirit of man that was called sinner, old man, enemy of God, literally has passed away because he was crucified on the cross in Jesus. You know, more people know that two thieves were crucified on the cross on either side of Jesus than know that they themselves were actually crucified on the same cross as Jesus. All right, did you catch that? So we need to know about what happened uh, to us through the finished work of Jesus, if we're ever going to get up and live truly in the fresh and the new. So I'm speaking today in spirit. I'm speaking to you as a spirit. You don't just have a spirit. You are a spirit. And maybe you remember from last time I said, you don't just do the will of God. You are the will of God. He wanted you. You are his pleasure. You are his delight when you are born again. Now, God always loved you when you were yet a sinner, his enemy by nature. When we were hostile to him in thought and deed, he's always loved us. His love is not at, really is not what's at question, you see, because he always loved us, but there could be no fellowship, there could be no oneness, there could be no maturity, there could be none of the things that God speaks of that he desires with his sons until they are born again, and then until they get up and live as who he died and rose again, ascended into heaven, sat down, poured out Holy Spirit into anyone who would receive him so that they could be restored to who they were meant to be before the foundations of the world in Christ. So this is so very, very pivotal for us. It must um, pierce the unbelief where we continue to see ourselves through our own eyes, just like the Israelites as they were on the brink of the promised land. Uh, It says that in our own eyes, we are as grasshoppers. That, my friends, is the pinnacle of unbelief, is that I am going to refuse to see with the eyes of the Spirit. But I am encouraging you today to do just that, to ask Holy Spirit to show you the finished work of Jesus, to show you by the Spirit, by the mind of Christ, that you would see what is actually true. That is why I am praying for you, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. 
Paul said, for I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. So I am praying for light to break in so that you can come into the deep and intimate knowledge of him so that you can see that he also has an inheritance and it is you and I. You see, you are his pleasure. You are his will. You are his delight as the new man. This is why it is so important if we're ever going to please him and get up and advance the kingdom, identity has to be a major core foundational part of building a culture of discipleship personally in you and then corporately, because when we all get up under the head of the church, which is Jesus, we are a corporate son that begins to move with him. Jesus is building his church. To say that you do not love the church, to say you want no part of the church, oh, my friends, please listen carefully. You're not asked to embrace an organized religion that uh, has no presence of God. I'm not talking about some dead organization, but I am talking about that which is precious to Jesus, that which he bought with his blood. Jesus himself said, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. I strongly encourage you, since you are the church, because it's made up of every single one of us who are born again, that now we endeavor not to point our fingers at her and criticize her, not to uh, say we do not need her, but let us embrace the very hub, the very um, ruling authority of the body of Christ that God wants her to be in the earth. Let us embrace that by embracing who we are to him and then allowing him to put us where he will, placing us in the body of Christ. So this has everything to do with all layers and aspects, whether it's evangelism, intercession, uh, whether it's the preaching and teaching and discipling, you know, whatever aspect it is, this corporate and personal discipleship must have as its focus everything that's in the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. You know, so many people walk around saying, well, you know, everybody's a sinner. I've even seen on, on churches of large size, I've gone on their website And I think it's their attempt to try to be so open and so, hey, we're like everybody else, you know. They'll say things literally on their website that say, you know, we are just a church of broken people, imperfect people. Come and be a part of us. We're sinners. You're sinners. Let's all come together so that we can receive the love of God. 
And literally, I have to watch myself that I don't just either faint or throw the computer or do something ungodly, okay, in my defense of of what the truth is. You know, we don't want to misbehave, my friends, while we're attempting to, to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to declare to the world, we are still sinners just like you, but come and, you know, be with us. You know, we have to watch what are we saying? Because that really is revealing what we really believe. We must be those who not only know our identity, but live in this new life. So that'll be a part of, um, of maybe other episodes. But that's why discipleship is so key. It isn't enough just to say, oh, this is my identity. I know who I am in Christ and then live like hell and live like it in private, live like it in public, and, you know, and live in it, and then try to make excuses and form some other type of gospel that actually explains why you don't live as who you actually are. This is where we've got to watch, and we've got to say, God, come to us with your work of discipleship, not only where we are born from above, but now, Father, Send Holy Spirit to literally raise us, build us from inside. My friends, there is a way. There is a way to prepare and to produce and live as who you really are. So let me continue. When everybody is saying, well, I'm a sinner and nobody's really righteous and this is why we shouldn't judge and condemn. You know, we've said this so often and repeated it with such frequency, such velocity that many have believed it no matter what the scripture actually says. So when we can say in the same breath, I am a new creation and I'm just a sinner saved by grace, this is where we find that we're living double-minded. Therefore, as James 1 says, we are living unstable. And my friends, we are in an hour where the, the world is unstable and needs a stable, mature, fiery, full of love as God loves, not as man loves, as God loves. That is the church that the world needs to see. That is the church I want to be a part of preparing and producing. That is what building a culture of discipleship uh, corporately and personally is all about. There must be an expression of Jesus. I don't care if we're in private or if we're standing behind a pulpit. I don't care if you're locked up in prison. I don't care if you're coming off of drugs. I don't care if you're the good moral churchgoer that, you know, has been in church your entire life, but you are not aflame with him. You do not actually know him and his ways. We must be those who are a full-out expression of Jesus. This is what the Father's heart longs for. This is why my favorite quote is by Richard Foster in his book, The Celebration of Discipline. There it says, In our day, heaven and earth are on tiptoe waiting for the emergence, the manifestation of a spirit-led, spirit-intoxicated, spirit-empowered people. All of creation watches expectantly for the springing up of a disciplined, freely gathered martyr people who know in this life 
the life and power of the kingdom of God. It has happened before. It can happen again. And I would submit to you, my friends, it must happen again. So if we are those who continue to talk out of both sides of our mouth, we are double-minded, new creation and sinner. Then we are unstable and we wonder sometimes, why is it that I walk around in such confusion, defeat, discouragement? I'm repeating power patterns of sin and flesh and my daily decisions are always re, you know, causing me to repeat old patterns rather than walking in the newness of life. And so we've got to recognize that that is just craziness, my friends, craziness. And you are not crazy. You are called. You are who he has made you to be. You, my friends, are a saint, a holy one, because you now share in the divine nature. This is what it tells us in 2 Peter 4, verse 1, that we share in the divine nature. I'm sorry, that might be 1 Peter 4, 1. So we must make certain that we know that we share in the very nature of of our father. You see, you must settle your identity before you can step in and function in your identity. And we must know that a saint, this is who almost all of the books in the New Testament are written to the saints at Corinth, the saints in Rome, you know, the holy consecrated ones. No, no matter what behavior Paul was addressing within the book, and trust me, in Corinthians, he was addressing some wild behavior, okay? But he still called them according to their identity because he knew if he did not remind them who they were, they would never be able to bring their behavior into line with newness of life. You see, a saint, my friends, is what every person becomes because of Jesus Christ. As they choose to believe in him, and his finished work on the cross. At that moment, the Holy Spirit imparts to that person, to every person who calls upon the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit imparts the very life and nature of Jesus Christ into their spirit, and they are born from above, born again, all over again, now born in Christ, made new, made 100% righteous, 100% holy, and free from sin's dominion. Now, I didn't say that you couldn't sin. You see, because now when you are a saint, when you are born again, you are a free person. And the word says, now you decide who you're going to obey out of that new identity, that new freedom. Romans 6.16 says, it's whomever you obey, you are now making yourself a slave to that one. You are free. You can decide now to make yourself a slave to sin or make yourself a slave to righteousness. But you must make your decisions out of real truth, not lies, not half-truths, not deceptions. You must make your decisions based on who you actually are. Ephesians 2, 5 in the Amplified says that when we were dead by our own sins, He, God, made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. 
He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him. Now that's the scripture, my friends. You have the very life and nature of Christ himself. Romans 5.15 says, But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. For if man, I'm sorry, if many died through one man's falling away, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, now abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. You see, everything of hell and death and sin and flesh, all of that came through the one man, Adam. You see, you didn't even make yourself a sinner because you didn't become a sinner by something that you did. You became a sinner because you were born in Adam. But here is the good news, and this is the gift that is all out of proportion to what happened in Adam, is now by God's doing, 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31, by God's doing, he has put you in Jesus Christ that you may be born again from above, that you now may receive the free gift of God's grace, of his favor, that you now have all that is Jesus's because you are born again in the person and by the person of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that Jesus became sin. He who knew no sin became sin that you might become the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. See, you're going to have to go into the word, my friends. Do not just take anybody's word for it. Do not have someone continuously referring to you as a sinner because then you'll think it's your nature to sin and maybe occasionally do something righteous. No, my friends, you by God's doing, To honor God, you must step forward and believe him in bold faith. So listen, this is so key. The books of the New Testament are addressed to the saints, not the sinners. Romans 1.7 says, called to be saints and designated for a consecrated life. 1 Corinthians 1.2, to those consecrated and purified and made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called to be saints. 2 Corinthians 1, 1, and to all the saints. Ephesians 1, 1, to the saints, the consecrated set-apart ones. Philippians 1, 1, to all the saints, God's consecrated people in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, 2, to the saints. The other books are written to the brethren, to the sons, to the bondservants, to all those who share in his life. You must know your identity, and then you must come into agreement with it. You must take hold of it. You must be invigorated by its truth. Because you see, all of that wasn't just to save you from hell. It was to return you to the Father. We must never forget that the entire goal is Him. That is what was missed in the garden, my friends. They did not misbehave in the garden. They missed God. They did not choose the tree of life, which is Jesus himself, and choose, therefore, through Christ to become sons to the Father. 
what they did was they said we would rather eat of this other tree of good and evil, and we would rather be God than be sons to the living God. Oh my, identity is so, so very key. We must realize that he calls us saints, holy, consecrated, set-apart people of God, and that is because we are in Christ. Then, my friends, once you are made a saint by God's doing through Jesus Christ, then you get to decide if you will be a disciple. A disciple is one who takes up their cross, their place of total deliverance, their place of total freedom, their place of total ability to turn and follow Jesus so that they can learn to live as a son. So saints become disciples who mature as sons so that they can move as one with the Father the same way that Jesus prayed in John 17. This is what he prayed before he went to the cross, that, Father, that may they be one with you just as I am one with you. So you see, my friends, discipleship is sonship, and we must begin to embrace who we are in spirit to him so that we can begin to bring our soul and body into line with that and begin to live and behave and conduct all our business in the newness of life. Because the Father desires that you would be one with Him. This is what Jesus prayed. This is what He went to the cross to produce. This is why the Holy Spirit has been poured into you to make real inside of you everything that is already yours. So as I close out today, I want to remind you, you are the will of God. You are his delight and you are his pleasure. If you have been born again in Jesus Christ, embrace it today so that we can step into that intimate, maturing oneness that is spoken of all throughout the scripture. That's what we'll talk about next time right here on Tent Talk. We are building a a culture of discipleship, personal and corporate. This hour of history cries out for the church to step forward and be who she is to him and to the world. I love you all, and I cannot wait to talk about intimacy the next time that we're together. Talk to you soon. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.